Welcome back to Spicier Than Therapy, all of you beautiful people. This is the podcast where we talk about polyamory. We talk about ethical non-monogamy, BDSM, kink, neurodiversity, communication. And all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, loving relationship. And this week, we're going to be talking about a special topic, dragon con if you caught our episode last week we let you know that we were in atlanta georgia for dragon con we are back now it was amazing and this episode is going to be about our experiences at dragon con well it'll have been two weeks by the time you guys are hearing this because time travel in the world of podcasts <laughs> and also i was sick so i couldn't talk for the entire first week after we got home. Yay, con crud. And this was actually our first Dragon Con experience for both Twin and I. We had been to Comic-Cons before, uh, conventions before, but we had never been to Dragon Con. And it was amazing. So for those of you that don't know what Dragon Con is, um, it began as a just sci-fi uh, nerd convention back in the day, back in like 1987, when only 1,200 people showed up. And this year, I think it's the first year they've done it post-COVID, mm -hmm. and 65,000 people showed up. And it's no longer just a sci-fi convention. Now it is a fandom convention. There are so many different fandoms represented there, and we just had an absolute blast. Yeah, no, Tia, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm like 98% certain that Dragon Con is the largest, well, in North America. This year, maybe less so, only because they capped attendance at 65,000 people because we are, you know, post Panini Press here. Um, but, and then, you you know, you still have conventions like SDCC, Emerald City Comic Con, things like that, that, you know, are also massive cons on their own right. Um, so we're we're seeing the the comeback of cons, which makes my little nerd heart so happy. But yeah, historically speaking, you know, pre-COVID, DragonCon was the largest North American fan convention, period. And uh, I definitely see why, because this was insane. Like I said, they capped attendance this year at 65K. I remember I was, I was texting our first night there. I was texting one of my dear friends that lives in Atlanta and is a longtime DragonCon attendee, uh, Fritz Krieg. Love you, babe. Uh, I was texting him. And our other dear friend, Remy, and I told them both, like, I am so overwhelmed already. And that was just while we were trying to get our passes for the weekend uh, and grab some food at the food trucks, which were delicious. Uh, but yeah, just, just getting our passes and getting food, I was already feeling very, very overstimulated. Yep, absolutely. And even for an extreme extrovert like me, it was a massive amount of people. It's probably the largest concentration of people that I have seen in one place since going to Tokyo, right? Like that is some of the most populous areas I've ever been to. Went to the Shinjuku Railway Station, which is the busiest subway station in the world. 
And Dragon Con was giving me flashbacks of the subway station there. And as Twin said, that first day was nuts. All we did was go collect our passes at one of the hotels and then go get some food and then just try to make the maze run back to our hotel room to drop all of our stuff. And that took a hell of a long time. Now, for those of you who haven't been to Dragon Con, it's not just held in one location. It spans five different hotels and eight total uh, venues across the downtown area. And then there's all these little pop-up events and panels and photo shoots and everything all over the city, really. But the highest concentration of people were in those five hotels. And, you know, that doesn't sound so bad, right? When you are, you know, thinking about going and you're like, oh crap, that's a lot of people, but you know, it's like a football stadium. Now try to navigate just walking between those hotels. And I felt like I was in the middle of Thunderdome. Yeah, I gotta say, and 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 we'll touch on the accessibility aspect of all of this here in a bit, but I just wanted to say like, or just have to say like, Dragon Con crowds, again, capped at 65K were an experience. As somebody who, like, I I thought, I've always considered myself fairly extroverted. I am not. I'm not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, and living where we live, like, even though we live, you know, outside of New Orleans, we're out in the sticks a bit. And I knew that going into this, that, like, I like having a little bit of room to breathe, to, like, have space. The Dragon Con really hammered that home for me, that I... I'm not a people person. <laughs> I'm not a crowds person, I should say. Um, and especially as I've gotten older and I'm not masking nearly as much with my neurodiversity. Um, as long like now that I've, I've I've reached an age where I don't care as much about masking as hard as I used to, I really, really am not a crowds person. If you've ever been to Dragon Con, you're going to know what I mean when I say this. The fucking elevators. Oh my god. <laughs> I think the shortest amount of time we ever waited for elevators was five minutes. Like, I mean, aside from like the weird oddball times where, you know, we got lucky and there wasn't a long wait because it was 11 o'clock on Monday and everybody was already checking out anyway. Like, you know, those aside from those little those like two or three one-offs the entire weekend, the shortest wait period was like five minutes. And we thankfully were only on the 10th floor of the Hilton. So if we were going downstairs, we pretty much just took the stairs the entire weekend. Like minus like two or three different times. We pretty much took the stairs down the entire weekend. If we were going up, that was a totally different matter because no. But we're healthy, not that healthy. But yeah, it the oh God, y'all, the crowds were bananas. And it was amazing. It was so, so cool. Everybody was so nice. Like, and I I, I say all of this, like, yes, it was massively crowded, but I think also for a couple of different reasons. One, it's a bunch of fucking nerds that are hanging out and they're excited to hang out with a bunch of other fucking nerds. But two, because this is also the first Dragon Con post panini press like everybody was so excited and happy to be there everyone was so nice every like there was a couple like 
a couple semi-rude, you know, like you should people more kind of experiences. But nobody was like outright just awful. Nobody. Everyone was so, so kind and so nice and considerate. I mean, there were obviously, again, crowds, right? Like the elevators were kind of bananas. So sometimes you would have people that were not paying as much attention to like who was trying to get on the elevators. So like two instances, I had to use my mom voice and be like, hey, let's let the mom with the stroller and the toddler onto the elevator. They get precedent. Or like, hey, we've got somebody in a wheelchair coming through. Move out of the way and let them on first. Other than that, everybody was so nice, like everyone. And it was absolutely amazing. And I I truly, truly, truly enjoyed it. And was just so happy to get to hang out with a bunch of other nerds. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And it was a big departure uh, from Pensacon. We had gone to Pensacon earlier this year, February of this year. And that's a much, much smaller con, right? It's still held over, you know, three different locations. But the level of friendliness of people at Dragon Con far outweighed Pensacon, like by a mile. And so it's one of those things where we really, even though we were packed in there like sardines, we really appreciated the energy that was brought to Dragon Con. And actually when we got back, I looked up some of the statistics because I'm a fucking nerd um, about pre-pandemic Dragon Cons. And they were averaging pre-COVID 80 to 85,000 attendees for the event and a lot of people were saying who had attended years and years you know kind of in succession that they can get used to a 65k uh dragon con because it was much it was a much better vibe right a much better feeling they didn't feel as claustrophobic as they did with 85,000 people and so you know i can only imagine what an extra 20k on top of that would have felt like oh my gosh yeah no like i and again grand scheme of things i don't have much to add to dragon con as far as like you guys could probably consider like they they don't care what i say right but like hey dragon con people if you're listening hi hello from a very neurodivergent person i would like to recommend that you utilize this 65k cap in the future or expand to other hotels if possible or other venues if possible because i could not fathom trying to hold that con with that many people plus 20k i like the crowds already right again capped at 65 the crowds the lines some of the wait times for those lines were bonkers and you know especially okay and this is where i'm going to pick a little bit of a bone especially considering you were supposed to be in a mask let's 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 just call it what it is it was so dumb it was like not the mask policy the way they enacted the mask policy like you're supposed to wear a mask to go inside well i've just been standing in line for two three hours maybe sometimes to get into like the vendor hall or to get into a panel where I'm going to be smooshed in with however many other people and most of them aren't going to wear their mask once they're seated like and and to the staff's credit they were trying god love them they really tried 
but it was just impossible, impossible to expect everybody to mask up. And honestly, they stopped asking for people to even wear their masks after what, honey, day two, maybe? Pretty much. And, you know, a shout out to all the uh, volunteers, because from what I understand, it's a wholly volunteer force for the majority of the positions at Dragon Con. There are obviously, you know, paid uh, positions there, but a lot of the people working the lines and things like that, as Twin said, you know, they were overwhelmed. There just wasn't enough. We had a chance to talk to one of the heads of uh, security, I believe, and they were short for the entire weekend. Uh, almost upwards of 200 people than they were supposed to have at the beginning. So when I was kind of talking with them, that I think they were just, they just didn't have enough staff for this. And I don't know if it was because of the pandemic or if it was because of something else, but I didn't realize that until like, I think day four, we were sitting there talking with uh, Mistress Rhiannon and some of the other folks, and they got into a discussion on how many volunteers they were short in different departments. Wait, so just security was short by 200? Yep. That's not even all of the rest of, you know, lighting, you know, crew, setup, breakdown. I have no idea how many people they were short. That was just security. And all of this to say, yeah, there was a lot of long lines, which was probably our least favorite part mm. of the Dragon Con experience. Although we did make tons of friends while waiting in line. But I do want to give a shout out to one of the biggest things that I think DragonCon is doing well, that I have seen them do in opposition, not opposition, but just kind of in comparison to other cons and other, you know, big events and things like that. The level of inclusivity and diversity at DragonCon was fucking astounding. And I want to give a big shout out to DragonCon for doing that. One of the things that you see a lot at other conventions are panels made up of, let's face it, five cishet white men, right? Like you see so many of these panels where it is male dominated and there was such a focus on diversity and inclusivity at DragonCon that I was sincerely happy to see that. There was actually a panel on diversity in specific forms of media. And then Twin and I went to a panel on female representation in social media as well. Couple that with all of the ADA compliance stuff that we saw as well as ASL um, friendly uh, presentations, panels and things like that. And I just wanna give a big shout out to DragonCon for that. Oh yeah, hard agree. I know Tier just said that, you know, he saw one on the actual program there were something like five or six different panels that I can think of off the top of my head spread out throughout the weekend at minimum. And I'm probably forgetting a couple. And it wasn't just, oh no, there was easily a dozen now that I'm thinking back on it. Cause I had, a, I had a bunch bookmarked for us to go to and we just weren't able to make it because timing, but there were at least a dozen that I remember panels going over gender inclusion, racial inclusion, religious inclusion, disability inclusion, which all of these as a woman with auditory processing issues who also has severe neurodiversity, I fucking loved seeing that. By the way, that made my heart so happy. Is there room for there to be better ASL inclusion for auditory people? or for people with hearing disabilities? Absolutely. Did that take away from any of it? No, not at all. I 
was so thrilled with what they're doing. My only, only comment would be in the future for cons like this, and this is not dragging cons specifically, by the way, that I'm talking to now. This is cons across the board, panels everywhere have ASL interpreters. That's my only pushback. I understand there's logistical difficulties. Get over it. You're making money hand over fist, especially if you have that many volunteers making money hand over fist on these cons. Have ASL interpreters. It's 2022. We can do better in 23 and going forward. And I I expect and con goers should expect better. But with that said, I still got to give it up to Dragon Con and everybody else because y'all, y'all are that that made my heart happy. Look, if heavy metal concerts can have ASL interpreters, so can a nerd con, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I loved seeing so much, again, as a person of color who also benefits from being, you know, let's face it, the model minority, I'm Asian, right? Seeing so much representation for people of color in the different panels, um, in a lot of the photo opportunities and the meetups and the groups and things like that just really did my heart happy. There was a black geek meetup done at one of the hotels. And apparently that group has been going on for several years and they encourage representation throughout the fantasy and sci-fi worlds. It's fantastic. Yay. You guys are awesome. Yeah. The, the blurred community especially has made so many, like such massive strides in pushing for inclusion at these cons and things like that. Y'all are the forebearers of inclusion at these cons and I, we nerds everywhere owe you a massive debt for pushing as hard as y'all have and as consistently as y'all had. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the blurred community. Um, absolutely. And, you know, kind of jumping off of that topic into the panels and the meetups. So one of the things that we learned on the first day, the first full day that we were there, we had a schedule packed, right. From like, 8 or 9 a.m. all the way to 9 or 10 at night. But because of how long of a trick it was between some of these panels and meetups and events, and because of how long the lines were to get into a lot of these, we realized we wouldn't be able to do even half of what we wanted to do per day. So we ended up having to divide and conquer a little bit. We had mini peaks with us. So there were some sections where Twin and I and mini peaks would go to a panel together or Twin would go to her own panel or I would go to my own panel and one of us would you know, hang out with mini peaks. But what were some of the better panels that you attended or the, the better events that you enjoyed? Ooh, okay, I'm gonna come back to that. But I just wanna say for first time Dragon Con goers, because I had to learn this the hard, heartbreaking way, manage your expectations, y'all. Unless you have a crowd of people with you where you can all kind of divide up, hold places in line for each other, you know, and, and sort of tag team the line quandary, um, you're probably only going to be able to make it to like one to maybe four panels on any given day, depending on which panel you're trying to go to. Because if you're trying to get into, say, an elf quest panel, like I was, you probably won't have as much of a line. You'll probably end up being the leader of the line, dressed as an elf, sitting in the sun, being hot for an hour and a half. Hi, elf quest crew. But if you're trying to go to, say, a firefly panel or um, like was lined up next to us, you'll probably have to listen to the devastating words, I'm sorry, 
but this event is full, you will not be able to make it. Here's the online link where you can watch it from Twitch, which, hey, that's a thing. Saved my butt a couple of times. But yeah, just be prepared to miss out on a couple of the panels and have a backup plan for other panels that you might want to go to or have the like your head your your earphones or whatever ready to listen to the panel on Twitch if you can. But with all that said, something that I I do want to say is I loved all of the panels that we got to go to. They were incredible. They were so much fun. I do have again some minor notes for Dragon Con, but I already put them in the Dragon Con app, which is a thing and will save your life. You're welcome, future first time con, con goers. My favorite panels Obviously, the first and foremost is the ElfQuest one because ElfQuest was the whole reason we were there. So I loved that one. It was a lot of fun. The next favorite for me, just because of what it meant to me, was the one with Kittyosaurus, Chelsea Bites, Phaedra Black, and a couple of others whose names I'm forgetting. I'm so sorry. But we were talking about what it means to be femme presenting in a digital space. And that like hearing from other big creators who are also femme presenting for me was so massive to hear other people corroborate what I deal with which I know on the internet like women hello we know we know how hard it is to be a woman and take up space or excuse me to be femme presenting and take up space on the internet it's hard it is very hard especially if you do it professionally. But that doesn't change how disorienting things can be. And like, am I making this up? Where you where you almost think like you're gaslighting yourself? Like, it can't be that bad. It's not that bad. Other people have it worse. So to be in a room listening to this panel of other huge creators talk about how, yes, they struggle with the same things that I do, was so reaffirming as, again, as a high femme presenting woman. I really, really loved, loved that one. That was probably my favorite panel aside from the ElfQuest one. Tier, what was your favorite? So my favorite one was actually one that was hosted by Eric Good and Phaedra Black was on that one as well about kind of creating um, your a safe space for you while you build your community. And as you know, two people who have a decent following on our podcast and our TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff, we're dealing with some of the issues that they were talking about and ensuring that you are building a cohesive and healthy community of people who interact with your content while not giving too much of yourself, while still maintaining your own health and sanity. But my absolute favorite event that we went to was the Hobbit Drunken Song Sing-Along, which I think that was one of the two longest lines we waited in. That was uh, that one in the burlesque show were the longest lines we waited in. And you're packed into this auditorium, right? And this is a super popular one with 400 of your new closest friends, half of which were wearing masks. And um, there's two folks up on the stage dressed as hobbits and they are doing a sing-along, right? And it is just an hour full of like raucous, drunken hobbit sing-alongs that are all relevant to Tolkien lore, you know, um, all relevant to Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or the Silmarillion or anything like that. You have a favorite 
<laughs> for any of you who have attended Dragon Con and gone to that, you know what she's doing. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite. And probably that the highlight of that entire show, Twin can attest to my nerding out over this, is they mentioned my favorite character from Tolkien lore, which is Tom Bombadil. And so he got mentioned in a song and I nerded out over that. So now I understand what it is for Twin to nerd out over ElfQuest. Oh my gosh, yes, that was absolutely so much fun. I am not a blasphemy that this is. I'm not really a Lord of the Rings fan. But watching Tyr get to nerd out to all of the different Hobbit songs and watching the dancers and the little baby that was dancing around in the crowd was so cute. So um, thank you to Mark Gunn and Jamie Hauser for that experience because that was absolutely incredible. And I truly, truly, truly enjoyed that. Yeah, so th those were my favorite two things that that we got to do in terms of official. Now, the burlesque show, the Midnight Burlesque Show, on Saturday night was probably the best thing ever, but I am going to let Twin talk about that, being a burlesque performer herself, because she has a really cool story about that. Um, but before we jump into that, to set the stage for this, because we're entering the stories from the con portion of our podcast. So one of our dear friends is an author, and we met him at Pensacon, actually, Earlier this year, Rick Hines, go read his book, go check out his stuff. He's phenomenal. And he was working at the Bard's Tower in the vendor um, booth. And he also, I think he was doing a, a panel or he was doing some okay, sort of workshop. instructional workshop, thing like that. And so that night, you know, we had hung out with him a little bit, but he got off of his shift, right? And we all went out to dinner had a great dinner. He brought along another one of his author friends. We just had a lovely, lovely time. And then all of us went to the burlesque show. Now we made sure that we left dinner by 10 PM because the show was at midnight, right? And we were right up the street. We're like, okay, you know, hour and 45 minutes should be enough time for us to not be at the absolute back of the line for the burlesque show. We were wrong. Oh my God. Where you were so so wrong yeah two hours before doors and our place in line we still ended up in maybe like the back i would say like the early but the back third of the theater and we were lucky um there were people that were still showing up to line up as doors were opening like i took a i took a restroom break halfway through the show and there were still people lined up outside the amphitheater or the room to get in to see the show now keep in mind this is a two-hour show and similarly to twin i took a bathroom break an hour and a half into the two-hour show and there was still a hundred and people uh, still a hundred people outside in line knowing they wouldn't get in but they were listening to everything, right? And just the, the sheer number of people that shows up for this event at DragonCon is just fucking staggering. Yes, it was incredible. I had an absolute blast. As a performer, it was easily the highlight of the weekend for me because, well, for a variety of reasons. One, getting to finally meet Mayhemmer, um, who I have been Facebook friends with for a hot minute, Instagram friends for a hot minute, you know, as one does in burlesque, you know, kind of like that parasocial thing, right? I've interacted with her on Facebook and stuff, but like we, uh, the grand scheme of things, we don't know who each other are. There's a whole lot of burlesquers out there. It's fine. But y'all, 
I got to meet somebody that I have had a performance crush on for so long. Vita Devoid. Ugh, where do I even start? So the show was kind of running a little fast and I had realized that it was running a little fast because I'm like checking my watch and I'm like, oh, they're they've run through a lot of they've run through a lot of performances already. And this was like probably an hour and a half in, maybe. I was like, oh, they've they've run through a lot. Didn't think anything of it. And then because of who I am as a person, we're watching the show. May and Vita are just full on gremlin energy on stage, just causing chaos. It was beautiful to watch. Um, my good friend Charlie Quinn Starling had already gotten to perform, and their uh, ostrich from Fantasia act one is incredible. And I had been wanting to see this in person for a hot minute anyway, but getting to see it live, oh, it was so much better than I expected. Um, I'm rambling. I know this is this is the effect this show had on me. So because of who I am as a person and as a burlesque audience member, um, I am that obnoxious heckler in the crowd that will just hurl wonderfully consensual sexual comments at the MCs because sometimes, you know, it gives you something to riff on. Like as a FMC, I enjoy when people heckle me a little bit, you know, like, don't be rude. Don't be nasty. Sit down when it's time to sit down. But yeah, give me something to riff on. We love that. She does this at home too. During spicy time, she'll shoot a one-liner at me while we're in the middle of shenanigans. So yeah, it's definitely consensual in our case as well, but it's so much fun to watch her do it at a burlesque event. So we're going through the show and it's amazing, but I had noticed that they were kind of running a little faster than like, I myself would have professionally, but it, you know, shit happens. It's a show. You get caught up. Adrenaline gets running. It's fine. So I'm popping off little one-liners and I don't think they can hear me at all until at one point Vita and May, I don't even remember what they were talking about, but there was a comment made about like, I'll spit in your mouth or something like that, or I'll spit on you. And my dumbass just yells out because I'm used to it anyway, thanks to a certain someone. I volunteer as tribute. And Vita just fucking doubles over laughing. And she's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? She's like, I don't know who said that, but whoever it was, come here. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah. I get up from my seat and I cross my little happy butt all the way into the aisle that she was walking down and everybody else is just going bananas right in the crowd may is on stage just doubled over in stitches and so i get into the aisle where vita's walking up and she's got the biggest shit-eating grin on her face and i do too and i just like get down on the knees because they're both dressed as nuns you know you gotta keep in context so it was they were sexy they were real sexy nuns so i'm down on my knees and Vita comes over and like, she was a little wobbly. So I kind of grabbed her leg and I was like, oh, well, you know, but then of course, because I'm a lady and I'm polite, I, you know, was just like kind of making sure that she didn't fall over because adjusting and crowd or whatever. And like a fucking professional, she continues to introduce the next performer, Grand Muffin, by the way, continues to introduce the next performer. And then she pulls me up and we go into the back and I fixed her wimple because there was an issue with it. Just costume errors right and we get to talking and chatting and she was absolutely lovely and we had a blast just catching up and i got to fangirl over her for a second and she was a doll then of course like through the rest of the show i continued to heckle because that's again who i am as a person and it was lovely but 
all of that to say my favorite moment from the show and the one that literally almost brought me to tears. I don't know the performer, unfortunately, and I feel like trash for not knowing this answer. There was a drag-lesque act portraying one of the characters from Our Flag Means Death, who is deaf and speaks in sign language. And this drag-lesque performer signed the chain from Fleetwood Mac while performing. And when I tell y'all, oh, I'm choking up. I got this, I got this, I got this. When I tell y'all that like, I'm not deaf, but I do have processing issues, right? Like sounds can be very overwhelming. Conversations and music can be very overwhelming for me. So when I tell y'all that as somebody who just, just has auditory issues, processing issues, to see a crowd of people immediately go from clapping, hooting, and hollering to giving the sign for applause as this person came out on stage, did their act, and then left the stage. It meant so much to me to see how much heart and how much passion they put into their act. I mean, because they were giving everything, clearly. And I could see them getting emotional on stage, and it was amazing. But to just see that and to see this whole crowd of people just immediately, like, and it was only a few of us at first. There was, you know, maybe like a couple dozen people at first giving the sign for applause. But then, like, as the act progressed and at the end finished, to see easily going from, like I said, a couple of dozen to a couple hundred people giving the sign for applause. Uh, oh, I'm like, I'm crying now thinking about it and was like choking up at the show because that's huge, y'all. Like that is the kind of inclusion that makes a difference for somebody out there. And I know it made a difference for me, clearly. And the majority of the crowd at the burlesque show had a very, very similar reaction, right? Everybody was getting into it. Everyone was overwhelmed and overcome with emotion. And it absolutely, that act got a standing ovation. And I mean, all of the performers did wonderfully. This is not to take away from any of them. That one was just so impactful for so many people. And it's difficult to overstate how big of a moment it was. People were talking about that the next day, the day after that. And even people that weren't able to make it to the burlesque show, we were talking to some folks at the con in the vendor hall on Monday, had heard about it. And it made such a big impact. And it was just absolutely incredible to see and witness. But we had so many amazing experiences at Dragon Con. Like, we could literally sit here and tell stories for the next two hours of all the cool shit that we did, you know, from, you know, just meeting cool people in the vendor hall, having people recognize us from the podcast and from TikTok, and having them come up to us and talk to us, to, you know, the pool parties, to hanging out with the fabulous Remy D, who had an exquisite exquisite bell costume and she had a whole bunch of different cosplays but the bell one just knocked me the fuck over we could be talking about stories for the next two hours we won't but we could oh yeah i mean you know 
Remy, I, I, I met Remy at a Nerdlesque festival where she was cosplaying as She-Hulk. <laughs> oh, God, that costume. Mm, yummy. Anyway, yeah, I, I met Remy as a cosplayer. And her bell is hands down one of my absolute favorite bells out there right now as far as cosplays go. But I have to give it to her because when we saw her the first night, she was heading out to, I think, the Bunny Hutch. And she had on this Rogue cosplay from X-Men Forever, I think it was, the animated cartoon where Rogue was, like, super gothy. And that was, like, my introduction to Rogue and X-Men. So that version of Rogue will always be my favorite, hands down. So to see one of my absolute favorite people in the whole world dressed up as one of my absolute favorite comic book characters in the whole world was amazing. And I loved it so much. But I say that to say, like, y'all, here's another thing I didn't know about Dragon Con. It is one giant fashion show for cosplayers. That is like the bulk of Dragon Con. Like if you're going to Dragon Con, be prepared because that is that is the thing for Dragon Con are the cosplays. Everybody there is so next level with their cosplays. I did not even want to bring out my Daphne one because it's so like understated and simple still. Uh, I literally only wore my Lita cosplay that I've been building for months now. And your Lita cosplay is absolutely exquisite. And I got pictures. I'm very happy to announce this. I got pictures of Twin in her Lita cosplay with the creators of ElfQuest, Wendy and Richard Peeney. And they loved it because we had talked to the Peenies at Pensacon in February, and Twin had told them about her idea to do a Lita cosplay. And they're like, oh my God, you absolutely have to do this. And then she showed up and they're like, oh my God, this looks so amazing. So we got to talk to the Peenies almost every day we were there. Yeah, we got to talk to them pretty much every day between signatures, panels, signings, things like that. Um, and I, I absolutely adore them both. Wendy especially has such a huge place for me in my heart as far as like, artistic, creative skill, communication, what she's done for women authors and creators in comics in general, which this is not to take away from Richard. It's just Wendy did so much for women in comics in general. And little known fact, she was one of the first, like the first cos babes out there. Her Red Sonia cosplay back in I think the 70s, was like one of the first like salacious, famous cosplay as far as like the hot cos babe trope goes. And so that's my next big project. You've heard it first, heard it here first. My next big one's going to be a Red Sonia in tribute to Wendy Peeney. And I can't wait to see it, even though I'll get to see it long before the rest of you, because she'll be working on it in our living room for a solid month or two before she debuts it. But this actually leads us into a question that we got from one of our Discord members, Inquisitor Aria, who asked, what was the coolest cosplay uh, outfit you saw or your favorite or both? Okay, so there were some really fucking cool ones. My favorite cosplay to see was... I'll, I'll let me say let me rephrase it this way. My favorite cosplayer to see, aside from my friend Remy obviously, was Yaya Han 
was there. And I was not expecting to see her. I saw she had had a booth up. She's another one that is like a major cause babe. Like she and she came up around the same time as Jessica Negri, if not, I think a little before. And she's another one who has made massive, massive strides in the cosplay costuming community. And so when I saw she had a booth, I was like, oh yeah, I got to hit up this booth. This is fucking cool. I can get some of her merch. I can get some of her costuming stuff. And y'all, Yaya Han was there and she was so, so nice. And I got to get a print of, her cosplay as Mulan signed by her. Y'all, I remember when Mulan came out and like that was like I was Mulan for Halloween that year because consummate tomboy that I am, I fucking loved and resonated with Mulan so hard. And and I know like on a cultural level that Mulan means a lot for Yayahan. So to like get that character signed by that cosplayer blew my fucking mind because I'm just like, it, it caught me so off guard because her her booth was set up and she had like the little costuming stuff there and like little ears and things that were super cute that they were selling. And I was like, okay, that's cute. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, Prince, cool. Oh, pretty costume. Oh my fucking God, you're yeah, yeah. Like blew me away. And she was so nice. Y'all, she's so nice. I, like, brain went burr and I short-circuited so hard when I realized it was actually her standing there. So, what was the best cosplay you saw? I guess I didn't actually answer the question, did I? No. <laughs> so, the best cosplay I saw, I actually, I have no idea what the character was. I have no idea who the cosplayer is. I literally just saw them outside taking pictures while I was lined up to go to the ElfQuest audio movie panel thing. And it was this person, and I saw them one other time while we were walking around in the hotels, and they didn't have the full costume, they just had the main body of it. This cosplayer had what I think, I because I vaguely remember this character being like from a video game, I just don't know which one. Huge, huge, like easily a 10-foot spread black wings and it was like this samurai like a traditional samurai jawline mask with the big demon teeth and like a black face the grin armor maybe you guys in the comments and listening later will be able to answer this for me taking photos outside one of the buildings with like some of the big metal statues in the background i i am doing a terrible job of describing this but this costume was so fucking cool y'all like traditional samurai armor as best as i recall it you know looking right big mask with the teeth and everything huge black wings and had the sword and everything and it was so cool and if i hadn't been in line for a panel i'd have run over and been like who are you what are you what is this oh my like done all the questioning because it was so cool looking. The, yeah, this definitely wasn't a time that I was with you because I am having trouble envisioning what you're describing, but I'm sure we'll find it, right? Because everything is captured everywhere on the interwebs. But my favorite cosplay that I saw, um, actually, no, no, the best cosplay that I saw was a bright pink Hello Kitty Mandalorian. 
And, you know, Star Wars was well represented, right? I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Um, sorry, Dad, if you're listening, because my dad is, and he's tried. God's love him. He has tried for years to get me to be as big of a Star Wars nerd as he is. But this bright pink Hello Kitty Mando uh, was the most opulent, decadent, well-put-together costume I think I've ever seen. Um, and it was just so good. I saw them. Uh, Many Peaks wanted to go to a uh, Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars-themed photo shoot. So he and I went to that. And there were so many characters there. Uh, we saw a macho Mandalorian, which was fucking amazing. I laughed my ass off. It was a great mashup, uh, complete with the Slim Jim and everything. But my favorite cosplay that I saw were probably the 4,729 different people wearing some form of Stranger Things outfit. And being the big nostalgia whore that I am, I was so happy to see Stranger Things so well represented at this con. I must have seen a hundred different Eddies, maybe two dozen Chrissies, bunch of Elevens, uh, some Dustins, and things like that. But I saw, we were waiting for an elevator in the Hilton, and I saw two people dressed up in the Scoops Ahoy outfit from head to toe, and it made me so fucking happy. Like, I was elbowing mini peaks. I'm like, look, Scoops Ahoy, season three. So that was my favorite, is just seeing all of the different Stranger Things outfits. Yeah, it was actually really cute, because at one point, somebody, I'm pretty certain, recognized you because you were wearing your Stranger Things shirt which was adorable. Hi, sweet Rose. Hello, darling. If you're listening, she came up because she recognized you while you were wearing your Hellfire Club shirt, weren't, didn't she? Yep. And, and the cool thing was, is, you know, over the course of the weekend, I saw maybe like a thousand different Hellfire Club members. Like none of us were dressed up. We were wearing the Hellfire Club shirts and jeans. I mean, I saw a whole bunch of Eddie's, whole bunch of people cosplaying Eddie, but even more people just wearing Hellfire shirts. And yeah, she came up and um, we were with, uh, I was with Twin and Mini Peaks and we were looking at lightsabers and stuff. And she's like, hey, I didn't want to interrupt you um, while you're with your family, but, you know, can I get a picture? And that was kind of surreal for us because we, you know, we get recognized out and about all the time. Getting recognized to that level at a con and having people ask to take pictures with us was a new experience for me. Well, and it's different too, because like we, we get recognized by like, people who know us and who we know know us right getting recognized by strangers that we don't know follow us was so cool and so surreal like i've i've had that happen to me before in memphis when i've had people that are like oh my god i saw you do burlesque and you were incredible and all this and and i'm just like oh Thank you, random audience member. You are also adorable and beautiful, and I love you. Thank you for throwing money at my butt. You know, like, that is a completely different experience. Still cool, and I, I enjoy that one thoroughly. But getting recognized as people from TikTok was a different experience, and one that I know for a fact, Tear loved, because he was preening and swanning around Dragon Con all weekend. It was adorable. Don't give me that look. Uh, and he was, you know, very, he was very peacocky all weekend because people kept recognizing him. And and it was really cute how every day there was a new, an update on how many people had recognized you. And I, I know from my perspective, at least seeing 
you tear light up like that and seeing how much that meant to you was absolutely adorable to me and truly like a genuinely wonderful experience as your partner and i really enjoyed that for you and for us and i mean it was cool because even when i lived in texas i did you know a lot of content on san antonio a lot of content on texas and i would get recognized by strangers all the time they would people would kind of come up to me while i was you know having dinner or drinking wine but this was something different i don't think we expected or i know i definitely didn't expect to get recognized at a con with 65,000 people where there are tons of legitimate celebrities there, people from movies, people from Star Trek, shout out to my Trekkies. But yeah, it was, it was kind of a surreal experience for us. And it must be what people that we met and fanboyed and girled over feel like. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, hell, I know <laughs> I probably scared Jay and Sherry from Ghost Hunters when we were we, you and I were rushing to get back somewhere. And I think our final day and we ran into Jay and Sherry from the ghost hunters. And I was like, oh my God, can I get a picture with you? I know like they were clearly trying to get somewhere. We're clearly trying to get somewhere. I was like, I know we're all in a hurry. Can I just get one quick picture with you? My kid loves you guys. Da, da, da. And he and Jay, super, super sweet. Both of them were, they were like, uh, mm, mm, you know, like, cause again, I know we're all trying to get somewhere on time. And I was like, I got it. It's cool. I just want a picture. Like, he was like, cool. All right. So we got the picture really quickly. And, you know, thank you to the ghost hunters, Jay and Jerry. Y'all were sweet. Mini Peaks saw either Steve or Tango. We're still not quite sure. Saw one of them while you guys were picking up Starbucks one morning. Didn't say anything because we are not those people. It's it's early morning. We're getting Starbucks. We will leave you alone. It's fine. But yeah, it, like recognized him and thought that was really cool. Who else did we meet? I mean, aside from the obvious that we're about to get to. Well, it was really cool for me to meet Stormy Knight, who is mm -hmm. another burlesque performer and pro dom um, that I just really, really enjoyed meeting them and getting their take and their perspective on just the world at large. And that was a connection for me through Mistress Rhiannon, which was great. So we actually sat down and had dinner with them one night and Remy. Uh, we had all forgotten that it was dinner time because we hadn't eaten in like five hours. And we're like, holy shit, it's almost six o'clock. We have other panels to get to but we should probably eat. Um, so I loved meeting uh, Stormy Night. That was great for me. And then obviously meeting uh, Phaedra and we actually got to meet Phaedra Black's uh, mini-me, uh, her daughter. And they had the cutest cosplay outfit on. And then she recognized us the next day when we weren't in, when she wasn't in costume and you weren't uh, dressed up as Lita and she was just the most adorable little thing. Yeah. Getting to see little, I didn't even recognize her little mini, mini Phaedra. I, I don't remember her name y'all. I'm so sorry. I was just going to call her mini Phaedra. Mini Phaedra was there and she was so cute. And she ran up to us when we were heading to the pool party, like Tear said. And I had no idea who this small child was who was hugging my leg randomly. And then I was like, oh, your hair's up. Got it. Hi, little one. And she was so cute. Like, just absolutely darling. So, Phaedra, your kid is amazing and I love her. But the highlight for me of meeting really cool people was getting to meet Katie Osaurus and Eric from Infinite Quest. Now, you know, full disclosure, before Twin and I met... I had only listened to maybe one or two podcasts ever. 
I wasn't a huge podcast person. I always spent my time listening to music. If you know me personally, I'm a music nerd that is always listening to music at any point in the day. And then when we met, Twin introduced me to a lot of really, really cool podcasts. And one of the very first ones she introduced me to were Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest. And we had a 12-hour drive to North Carolina to visit some family members. And we listened to like eight episodes mm -hmm. on the way uh, to North Carolina. It was my first introduction to Katie and Eric. And as someone who was entering a new relationship with someone who was neurodivergent, it was such a helpful thing for me as a partner to go, hey, this is the way my partner thinks. This is the way my partner processes. These are some of the things that my partner needs in terms of love and affection, uh, attention, communication. And so getting to meet both of them was a really big thing for me. Um, it, you know, I was able to actually say thank you for, for helping us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Katie, Eric, hi, hello. If you're listening, it was so cool to get to meet both of them um because you know like tear said i i wasn't i didn't actually used to be a podcast person really either until katie and eric like they're the ones who got me on them and david mizajewski from the elf quest because he has the elf quest show they're the ones that really got me on to podcasts i because i've tried i've tried listening to podcasts in the past but as the consummate adhd brain I have a hard time listening to a lot of them. I mostly just kind of do music and or I'll catch up with like YouTube videos and stuff like that, right? Something where I can like keep my brain stimulated across multiple things. And Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest is a huge one for me because for the first time, I was listening to people who talked the way I talk, who have conversations the way I do who have conversations about things that I care about, who understand me, who I hear myself reflected in when I'm listening to their podcast. Katie in particular was another person like myself who was diagnosed ADHD um, kind of later in life. I believe on her 30th birthday, I was 29 about to turn no i was turning 29 when i got diagnosed so her story and mine their excuse me their story and mine line up are, are very very similar right like i i still remember and i'm going to mention this just because of how much it meant to me right there's an episode that of theirs where eric is trying you know it's the very start of the episode and eric is trying to like get into like the topic that they were going to talk about that day and katie is kate is trying and then just kind of there's this sigh and they just kind of say, hey, can we not, can we just talk about whatever my brain isn't in it? And and I forget how they say it specifically, but in, in the way Eric responds and it's just like, of course, yeah, let's just talk. And so they do. They spent the entire episode, the 30 minutes, just talking. And that for me was like, I think one of the first ones that I sent you to your, where I was like, oh my God, this is me. This is my brain. And there were, I mean, there's so many clips and like I would screenshot actual episodes like on Spotify where I listen, I would screenshot so I knew exactly what time and what conversation and what episode 
to send him to, or I would just send him the screenshot and be like, go listen to this episode. This is the time in particular. Like, this is my, this is me. This is my brain. This is exactly how I am and process and think. And that's the first time I had a podcast or people to listen to that I resonated with so deeply. That was actually one of my favorite things that you did at the beginning of our relationship. We were long distance. Uh, Twin was living here in New Orleans. I was living in Texas. And, you know, we would drive back and forth all the time. But she would send me these screenshots and be like, this episode at this time, go listen to this. And when I got off of work, you know, I would, I would listen to it. And it gave me such incredible insight into who she was, Twin was, as a person, and how she needed to be related to, how she needed to be cared for, and how she needed to be loved. And it was so helpful to me because, you know, one of the benefits of getting to know someone in person is you're able to pick up on some of those things, right? You're able to pick up on tone, you're able to pick up on some of the intonation that someone uses when they're talking about something that is important to them. Us with opposing schedules, a lot of the times we would talk via text until we could hop onto a FaceTime call. But until that happened, I would listen to these episodes and I'd be like, oh, okay, I understand this. I can communicate in this way. And it really helped set our relationship up for success. So I, I enjoyed that you did that. Yay. So, you know, all that to say, like getting to meet Kate at the panel you know, the, the very first one that I, I mentioned earlier of, you know, femme presenting in a digital space, getting to meet Kate at that panel or after that panel was so profound for me in particular because of their podcast and what Katie's content on TikTok has meant to me as a fellow neurodivergent um, who is also a fruit snack waver of sorts, you know, and also a fellow thespian and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. Kate, hi, hello. If you ever want to get coffee, I would love that. I feel like we'd be good friends. <laughs> so <laughs> um, getting to meet them and talk to them and tell them what that podcast meant. And the fact that if it wasn't for their podcast, you wouldn't be listening to this one, frankly, because I didn't really think that anybody would want to listen to me and Tia ramble on for an hour. And yet, y'all do which is still mind-boggling to me but i love it and a lot of y'all do which is the most surprising thing to me and we're both very very appreciative so you are part of the in crowd by by listening to our podcast but if you don't already listen to katie and eric's infinite quest which is actually what it's called i know they prefer to go by kate but it's actually called katie and eric's infinite quest go and do that go listen to that it's amazing so we met so many great people at dragon con and another question in from the Discord, this one from Elspeth Swan. What is our favorite con swag that we bought while we were there? So I can finally say I didn't get a whole lot of swag this time around. My swag came in the form of signatures. So for me, because it's really all I got, my favorite are all of the comics that I got signed by the Peenies because I finally finished out my collection, getting all of those signed. And thank you, Tier, by the way, for helping me with that and for being such a trooper while we did all of that. If you had to, <laughs> if you had to estimate how many signatures we got from Wendy and Richard, just a Dragon Con, 
what would your guess be? Oh, why you got to put me on the spot like this? Um, at least, at least sixty. At at le at least sixty. Probably a few more. That that seems pretty accurate from my count as well. And you know, fun fun little quick aside. Twin was mentioning having to divert off. Um, because of the lines, and we would have to divide and conquer, one of us would have to go do a thing, one of us would have to go stand in line for the next panel. Very first full day we were there, we go up to the vendor hall, and we have a backpack full of old original ElfQuest comics that Twin just cannot wait to get signed by Wendy and Richard. And we've been in this line outside the vendor hall for like an hour and 15 minutes at that point, and it's getting close to her to need to walk across downtown to go to the other building to start standing in line for Wendy and Richard doing the audio uh, audio movie. Um, and she's like, I don't know that we're going to get in in time for me to get a good seat at the panel and still get these signed. So she, we make a decision. And for those of you that were watching my TikTok live, you saw her make this decision in real time. She made a decision to hop out of the line and go line up for the, the panel that Wendy and Richard were going to be at. Not 15 minutes after she hops out of the line, we get in, Mini Peaks and I, and we go right up to the ElfQuest booth, and there's Wendy and Richard. So Twin is kicking herself because I'm sending her pictures of Wendy and Richard and sending her pictures of us getting all the stuff signed. And then funny enough, there was a guy in line right behind me getting things signed at the same time. And not only did he have time to get his stuff signed, make it back over there and sit right next to Twin at the panel, but mentioned that he ran into me at the booth. So she was kicking herself on that one. I was and I wasn't. It was cute. I was kicking myself for a few minutes because I was like, you know what? This is this my anxiety set in. All right. It is what it is. My anxiety set in because I was like already seeing all of the lines and I, you know, we went to Dragon Con for the peenies. So like for me, I, I, I had to be at this audio movie panel. Like I was in cosplay. I was going to be there. I was in there as Lita. I had to be at this panel. And so I am actually glad because I had a cool experience because I was trying to find the room that this panel was going to be in. But it was right next to where they were holding the panel for the guys from the boys. And so that line was just bananas long. And I couldn't even get into the panel from where I was at. So I had to go. I was told I was like, you have to go outside around the building out and come in through the back door. And I was like, OK, so I go around and I'm at the back door and I meet these two con workers. And they're like, yeah, we'll show you. You're just going to come in through here. And I was like, cool. Can I just wait here? Because air conditioning is nice. And they were like, well, you can't because it's still an hour before the panel. But while I was in there, I saw on the thing that David Mizajewski was going to be there. And he is the like basically the head of social media for ElfQuest. And he and I have, um, you know, chit chatted back and forth online for years. And so I saw him have a nameplate on the table and I got so excited. And I was texting Tyr about like, oh, damn, it's going to be here. And you have no idea who that is, but it's so fucking cool. And I'm so excited. I finally get to meet one of my like internet kind of friends. So I go into the lobby again because I can't just wait. And then I was like, you know what? Cool. I got time. So I went upstairs, uh, had a water at the bar that's up there in the Hyatt 
main lobby. And then I went back outside and I got to wait in line for the panel. And it was cute because as Tier mentioned, the gentleman came over, John, Justin, something like that. I forget his name. He was showing off. He was like, oh, I just got done talking to your partner and he's so cute. And he told me to look for Lita and here you are. And it was so sweet. And he was such a darling. And he was showing off that he had this drool worthy original oil canvas um piece of art of moonshade i believe i think it's moonshade from windy from like back in the 70s and he'd bought it at an auction some weeks ago and he'd been wanting to get it signed so he came to the con to get it signed and windy apparently was very excited to see one of her artwork pieces um, her original ones. It was very, very excited to see that. I don't blame her. I would have been too. I know I was bugging when I saw it. And I was just like, I cannot believe you have this piece because there's so few left. So he was showing that off. And and we all just got to ch- chatting in line, you know, a bunch of us fellow nerds who were all there, you know, tribesmen, tribes people, tribes, tribe, tribe mates for ElfQuest. And it was so fun. And it was just really cool to get to chit chat with everybody and hang out. And we got to listen to the ElfQuest audio movie podcast, which you guys should go find and listen to after you're done listening here because it's amazing. It sounds so good. Fred, John, the entire cast did, did a beautiful job. The audio on this is incredible. It sounds amazing. And it is literally everything I've I had hoped for when I first heard about the project. I know Tyr and I listened to the entirety of the thing on our way to Dragon Con because I was one of the original Kickstarters. Humble brag, hair flip. (laughs) I, at several points, was like choking up and almost in tears because it was just, it means so much to me to have this big, big piece of who I am come to life. So that was really, really cool to listen to and see the panel and meet David and John and everybody uh, and all of the fellow ElfQuest nerds and just get to hang out together. It was it was really, really neat and just incredibly special to me. It was a lot of fun watching her nerd out over all of this stuff. To go back to the original question, favorite piece of con swag that I got. I am so sorry, baby. I completely forgot there was a question there. Yeah, it was really, really awesome to watch her nerd out over all of this stuff. And going back to the original question, favorite piece of con swag that I got, the um, jewelry maker that made all of the steel pieces for the TV show Vikings was there, and I got one of the cool little metal uh, bracelets, uh, which was excellent, because I'm not generally a swag person. I like experiences, not stuff. But I'm also bougie as fuck, and I gave away uh, my beaded bracelet that's been to, like, nine countries um, with me, I gave that away to someone I met at Dragon Con because I met one or two little EDM rape babies and we, you know, did the candy exchange and I was like slightly sad to let that go, but it was a cool experience to have. So I had to get something to replace it. So that was my favorite piece of con swag that I got. That was such a cute little thing to watch too, with you guys trading those bracelets. Also, where did that rainbow bridge bracelet go? If you're listening, I I, ho- I wish you could see this. Oh, it's got a little hot glue where Luigi is supposed to sit. That's cute. This thing is beefy. Uh, Like, this is easily three inches wide and, like, two layers, two or three layers deep. Like, this is this is a hefty boy. She's cute. Oh, it's two separate. <gasps> wow. Oh, cute. Oh, so you could take Luigi on and off. <gasps> That's genius. All right. Well, whoever made that, uh, 
you're fucking incredible. This is so cool. Anyway, I take that away from me or I'm going to fidget with it the whole rest of the time. So <laughs> the reason though, that we wanted to get into all of this and talking about Dragon Con today with you all is because <laughs> it definitely won't be our last time at Dragon Con. Definitely won't be our last con. And we want you guys to help us have an excuse to go to more cons and more importantly, have an opportunity to be invited to more cons. Y'all know I can run my mouth all day long and we all know tear can. So <laughs> I love you. I wish y'all could see the look I'm getting right now. I'm going to die later. That's two strikes. No. Okay. But yeah, you guys, we, we want to go to more cons. We want to speak at panels. We want to sit at the big table and talk to you guys and say hello to all of you. So if you want to see us at these panels, you need to talk to them. You need to reach out to these cons and say, hey, I want so-and-so, Tier and Twin, to be at this panel. Because that's that's who they're going to listen to. It's like, hey, we, we need guests to tell us who they want to see at these panels and at these cons. We already have kind of put some things in the work to potentially be at Frolicon in May which is very exciting. We still got to iron details out, so don't hold us to it just yet, y'all. But that is something that we're going to attempt to make happen. And I think it's easily fair to say that we're going to attempt to make Dragon Con next year a thing, whether as guests or as panelists. But yeah, you guys, we, uh, we can make this happen. We just need you guys to help us do that. And I'm very excited to see that come to fruition. Absolutely. So more on that to come in the days, weeks, months, year. Ah, who can know these things? Who can know anything at all, really? But really, we have loved talking with y'all today about our experience at DragonCon. We had so much fun. So whether or not you saw us there, or you followed along with our adventures on TikTok and Instagram, or you're just hearing about this for all the first time, we appreciate you. Thank you for enjoying this little adventure with us. Yeah, and thank you a thousand times over to everybody at DragonCon, volunteers, staff, employees of all the hotels, the restaurants, the vendors, etc. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you a thousand times to everyone who makes DragonCon happen, who made DragonCon happen this year. Um, you know, thank you to all the panelists, to everybody that was there. This was such a magical, amazing experience for me as somebody who's wanted to go to Dragon Con for years. Um, I, I had just the absolute time of my life and this was everything that I had hoped it would be. So I truly, truly enjoyed that. And thank you to everybody that came up and said hi, whether it was to tear because you recognized him from TikTok or whether it was because you recognized me running around as Lita. Like, Thank you so much, you guys. You you also made our weekend. We look forward to seeing you at next year's con. Thank you for following along with us. Uh, we continue our educational series on BDSM and kink next week. Um, but we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Twin, do you want to go ahead and do our traditional sign-off? All right, my darlings, my dear hearts, my loves. Just remember, be good to yourself. Be good to others. Give yourself grace, love, and patience. And as always, go out and do some dope shit. 
Goodbye. Thank you.